well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm glad that you've joined us on the program today. It is so good to have some good news to talk about for once. We are a week away from the election. Uh, hopefully, if you have not already voted, you have made your plans to vote. You are talking with your fellow gun owners about the importance of getting out and voting. But uh, Monday night, another key moment in the uh, Trump uh, uh, presidency with the confirmation vote and then the swearing in of the newest associate justice to the Supreme Court, Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, and the reaction from Second Amendment groups is uh, already coming in. The uh, National Shooting Sports Foundation praising uh, the uh, swearing in of uh, Justice Barrett. Uh, according to Larry Keene, NSSF Senior Vice President and General Counsel, quote, uh, the National Shooting Sports Foundation is extremely pleased with the confirmation of Justice Barrett, and we are confident that her service to the nation and the Supreme Court will have tremendous and lasting impact for decades and generations. Justice Barrett's service will reaffirm the importance of originalist jurists when protecting the Second Amendment rights of law-abiding Americans. The fire ministry is grateful for the resolute foresight of President Donald Trump to nominate such a qualified jurist to serve on the bench. The National Rifle Association also applauding the confirmation of Amy Cuddy Barrett. Uh, Jason Wemay, Executive Director of NRA's Institute for Legislative Action, saying, quote, on behalf of our millions of members, we offer congratulations to all who participated in the confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett as a justice of the U.S. Supreme Court. She promises to serve our nation with distinction and honor. The Firearms Policy Coalition also congratulating uh, Justice Barrett for her uh, confirmation and thanking President Donald Trump uh, for the nomination. Brandon Combs, the uh, president of the Firearms Policy Coalition, says, quote, FPC's legal team, the largest and most impactful of its kind in the nation, is already hard at work on some of the most important Second Amendment lawsuits in the country and is actively preparing dozens more. As Justice Thomas has explained, the Second Amendment is not a second-class right. We are eager to see the Supreme Court grant certiori in an appropriate case, reaffirm that the Constitution's text means exactly what it says, and once more clarify that recalcitrant lower courts cannot continue to apply the interest-balancing tiered scrutiny that the court expressly rejected in the Heller case. So, what does this mean? for our Second Amendment rights? Well, that's the very first question that I posed uh, to our guest today, uh, Executive Director and Founder of the, uh, excuse me, Executive Vice President and uh, Founder of the Second Amendment Foundation, Mr. Alan Gottlieb, uh, who joins us on the program to talk about the confirmation of Justice Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court, and yes, the impact that it will almost certainly have on our right to keep and bear arms. Take a look and a listen. Alan Gottlieb, thank you so much, sir, for coming on the program. I appreciate your time today. It's always my pleasure, Cam. And, you know, it's actually nice to have some good news to talk about for once. Uh, the uh, And not just good news, but great news with the confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court, the newest associate justice. Uh, let me ask you first uh, uh, off the bat, Alan, I mean, what does this mean uh, for our Second Amendment rights before the high court? Well, I think it means an awful lot, Cam. Uh, you know, the Second Amendment Foundation and other groups have lots of court cases percolating back up to the Supreme Court right now, uh, cases that deal with the uh, right to carry, uh, so-called assault weapon bans, uh, you know, young Amer young adults uh, being banned from, from firearms ownership or being able to carry restoration of rights, 
uh, and a lot of other cases as well. So it's really important that the Supreme Court get to hear one of the, some of these cases to be able to, you know, expand and reaffirm Second Amendment rights. Uh, and of course, having Amy Coney Bryant on the uh, Bryant, uh, on the Supreme Court uh, surely means we have enough votes, I think, now to be able to hear cases and get some good affirmative rulings protecting Second Amendment rights. I guess in one line I could say uh, her getting on the confirmed to the Supreme Court will help make the Second Amendment great again. <laughs> you know what? That's a really good way of putting it. Uh, and, and I hope that you are uh, correct. Uh, as you say, I mean, it takes four justices to agree to hear a case. We know that on paper we've we've had four justices, but, uh, you know, what we're hearing, the whispers from the court is that uh, there's been a lot of concern about where Chief Justice John Roberts would, would come down uh, if a Second Amendment case were heard in the Supreme Court. Now you've got um, in theory, anyway, I won't, I won't say, a, you know, a, a guaranteed vote in favor of the Second Amendment. But as you and I have talked before, with Justice Barrett at the Supreme Court, you have a justice who we know takes the Second Amendment seriously. She sees it as the fundamental right that it is. She sees it as the individual right that it is. And she will take that approach to uh, to cases that come before her. And I, I'm with you. I, I would like to think that this will uh, give us the votes necessary to to see the court start hearing some of these cases. Um, but, of course, there there is that concern, Alan, as you well know, that uh, if Joe Biden gets elected, Democrats are going to try to undo uh, uh, this uh, appointment, and they're going to try to pack the court by adding four more justices, all of whom would be anti-gun, uh, to the Supreme Court. So you'd have 13 Supreme Court justices and an anti-gun majority. Yeah, there's no doubt that what you just said is true, and Judge Barrett is the firewall temporarily, at least for us. Uh, there is no doubt that if, uh, you know, uh, Biden gets elected president and the uh, Senate goes the, the other way and flips, we're in big, big, big trouble, and a, a lot of our years' worth of work could go down the drain very, very quickly. That's why this upcoming election is so important, and it's so important, in fact, that I'm, you know, sitting here in, in the battleground state in Arizona, uh, trying to help turn out gun vote. In fact, I know that uh, President Trump, he's going to be visiting Arizona. He's going to be trying to turn out the gun vote this week. You going to get a chance to uh, uh, at least uh, see the president during his stop? Uh, yes, he's got a, a rally here in Goodyear, uh, uh, Arizona. Uh, I'm going to be added. I'm going to added to the list as a VIP to be able to get in with reserved seating in the presidential section. And I'm very, very excited about it. That is fantastic. I'm glad to know that uh, you'll be there representing gun owners uh, when the president makes his campaign stop in Arizona. Uh, and as you say, I mean, this is one of many battleground states. President Trump was uh, in Pennsylvania yesterday, three stops uh, all across the Keystone state of Pennsylvania. You and I have talked before about uh, some of the delays that we're seeing right now in Pennsylvania in terms of folks who are applying for their concealed carry license. They're having to wait more than a year uh, in Philadelphia, nine months in Allegheny County. We've seen what Governor Tom Wolf has uh, tried to do, originally keeping gun stores closed in the uh, uh, first pandemic orders. And ultimately, it was the Trump administration's uh, uh, guidance uh, that uh, gun stores were you know, essential businesses that the sort of forced Governor Wolf's hand and opening up those gun stores once again. So, you know, no matter where you live uh, right now, if you're a gun owner and a Second Amendment supporter, you you hopefully are aware of the stakes uh, of this election, and you are not going to be sitting this one out because it is so vitally important. Now, now, getting back to the Supreme Court for a second, if I can, Alan, you talked about some of the issues that the court's going to have a chance to address 
uh, in the coming months if they take some of these cases, everything from right to carry, as you say, those uh, 18, 19, 20-year-olds who are being denied their Second Amendment rights. Have you been able to take a look at uh, some of the cases that the Second Amendment Foundation is supporting and is involved in uh, to see what cases might be the first to get to the Supreme Court with uh, Justice Barrett on the bench? You know, Cam, it's really hard for me to say what the first ones are going to be because uh, just when you think a case is moving along, something <laughs> comes along to delay it. Yeah. Uh, and you know, some of our cases have been around for, you know, right now for five, six years, and we're, we're not there yet. So it's really very difficult difficult for me to say, uh, but there's no doubt there's a lot of things that are moving. I have a feeling that the, probably the inside track will be something coming out of the Ninth Circuit. Which one, which case it will be is going to be hard to say. But there's magazine ban cases out of the Ninth Circuit, uh, at, you know, out of California. The assault weapon bans out of, out, of the, out of the Ninth Circuit and other states as well. The, the young Americans, uh, young young adults not being able to exercise their Second Amendment rights out of a number of states. So uh, it's hard to say which is going to be the first one coming out, but there's no doubt that something's going to be moving up fairly rapidly. Absolutely. Again, I'm talking with our friend Alan Godley from the Second Amendment Foundation uh, out in Arizona, the battleground state of Arizona. And I got to ask, Alan, before we let you go, I mean, what is your impression being on the ground there in Arizona um, in terms of the enthusiasm of gun owners uh, to get out and vote this election? Well, you know, let me say it's kind of interesting. You know, I, I really live in our offices are based in, in Washington state. And in Washington state, of course, all you see is, you know, Biden lawn signs. Mm-hmm. You don't see anything for Trump. And here in Arizona, forget about this law sign, you know, lawn signs. You see giant signs. And in fact, one of my, uh, down the street from me here, there's a house that has, uh, in LED lighting, like giant, like a billboard from 2020. <laughs> and wherever you go, you see cars with Trump flags on them, houses with flying flags that say Trump on them. Uh, and you just walk around neighborhoods and, and, and it's, it's, it's amazing. You can tell not only is it battleground state, but people are engaged and gun owners in Arizona are very engaged. Well, that is good news. Uh, you know, we're, I'm seeing much the same thing, not the LED lights, uh, in rural Virginia, but, uh, I'm seeing a lot of farmers for Trump, as you say, not just signs, but, but billboards, farm equipment, uh, you know, parked out in a pasture with a big Trump farmers for Trump sign emblazoned on the side of it. Uh, we are definitely seeing, and I think we've got a lot of engaged gun owners in the state of Virginia, thanks to, uh, Governor Ralph Northam and his push for gun control earlier this year, uh, I think we've got a uh, a strong Second Amendment turnout that, uh, you know, not only could uh, mean trouble for Joe Biden, but I think could uh, uh, help uh, pro-Second Amendment candidates who are running for Congress in the uh, state of Virginia. And that's the other important thing. You and I have been talking a lot about the presidential election, but, you know, if, if Democrats take control of the U.S. Senate, uh, if they keep control of the House, uh, you know, that that is going to pose, uh, again, real clear dangers to our right to keep and bear arms. We've already seen some of the legislation that Nancy Pelosi has advanced out of the House, uh, knowing that it was going to die in the Senate. But, uh, you know, are, are you concerned, Alan, that if Democrats have a good night uh, next Tuesday, that gun control is going to be one of their top priorities? Because I don't I don't see them sitting on this issue, like they did uh, when Barack Obama was elected, he decided to go for Obamacare instead of gun control. Spent a lot of political capital. I don't think Biden's going to make that same mistake. No, they're definitely going to go for gun owners' throats, in my opinion, because they really blame gun owners for Trump's election. It was gun owners in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and Michigan, you know, that basically put him in the White House in, in 2016, and they want to get even. 
But there's another thing flying below the radar that really disturbs me, Cam, and that's what they call redistricting. You know, this election is going to determine who controls a lot of state legislatures around the country. Mm-hmm. And then they redistrict, and that determines, you know, who, where, where the congressional lines are drawn and, and the lines drawn from, you know, uh, local state houses. Uh, and then all of a sudden there's a, a giant flip again in two, th- two years later. So I'm very, very concerned about this particular election all the way down ballot. Yeah. And, you know, the redistricting issue, you're, you're right to bring that up. I mean, that is a, a genuine concern here in Virginia. Uh, we've actually got a constitutional amendment on our ballot because when Republicans were in control of the legislature, Democrats complained that the uh, redistricting process was unfair. Uh, so they wanted to come up with some you know nonpartisan way to redistrict uh, uh, seats. They got it on the ballot. And then last year, Democrats took control of the state legislature. And all of a sudden, Alan, they're not in favor of their own redistricting plan. Because it's nonpartisan. Now that they're in charge, they want to stay in charge. And you're right. They want to be the ones to draw those district boundaries. So you've actually got Democrats in Virginia who are arguing against a measure that they were responsible for putting before voters, uh, which tells you everything you need to know about the importance of the redistricting issue. Uh, Listen, thank you again, my friend, for coming on the program. It is always so good to talk to you. I am so glad to hear that you're out in the thick of things. We have uh, one week left. And uh, if we don't talk to you before then, I know that you and I will be talking uh, shortly after Election Day because we definitely want to get your thoughts and your perspective uh, uh, as far as what we have to worry about and uh, hopefully what we can look forward to uh, in the aftermath of this election. Well, thank you, Kim. I love talking with you and your listeners, so I really appreciate the opportunity. I'll give our best to the thousands of folks there in Goodyear, Arizona, for President Trump's rally tomorrow, and uh, look forward to talking again very soon. Alan Gottlieb uh, from the Second Amendment Foundation joining us here on Bearing Arms, Cam & Company. Now, again, the the big test is going to be a week from now. What happens in the election? And uh, if Joe Biden wins, if Democrats take control of the Senate, uh, will they try to nuke the legislative filibuster and then turn around and pack the Supreme Court? Uh, I would anticipate that this will be one of the first issues that uh, Democrats are going to uh, wrestle with Uh, If, in fact, they uh, are able to take back the White House and the Senate on Election Day or in the uh, weeks afterwards as the uh, votes are tabulated, Uh, it's not a done deal. I mean, there is going to be some pressure on the part of some Democrats to say, no, don't do this. This is a mistake. You look at the polling on the issue. Uh, First of all, by the way, uh, according to the polling, and you can take the polls with however many grains of salt you want. But according to the polling, a majority of Americans supported the confirmation of Justice Amy Coney Barrett, and about 60% of Americans disagree with the idea of packing the court uh, by Democrats because they're angry that they did not get their way and they did not get to fill the seat uh, left by the uh, death of uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. So I, I think politically it would be a big mistake for Democrats to take that risk and to try to pack the court. But honestly, if they do... Actually, if they're, first of all, if they're in a position to do it and that's what they decide to do, I don't think they're worried about the electoral consequences two years from now in the midterm elections. I, I think that they believe that they would put in place a court that would indemnify them uh, from really any electoral losses going forward, that this would be a, a shot across the bow uh, in terms of free and fair elections in this country going forward. So... We're going to be watching very closely um, what happens not only on Election Day, but in the days afterwards. But uh, there is an enormous amount of pressure 
uh, being applied by Democrats like Senator Ed Markey of, uh, of Massachusetts, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and others uh, who are demanding that the court be expanded from nine justices to 13 justices. Of course, yeah, my, my comment was that uh, in a true democracy, even though we live in a republic, but in a true democracy, every one of us would be a Supreme Court justice. That's the only way, right? To have justice for all is if all of us are justices. All right, let's get to today's Armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, our recidivist report. We will start there with a story out of Cleveland, Ohio where a a man's been charged in a a murder that happened at a a Cleveland gas station. The uh, Cleveland Plain Dealer uh, reporting on this story. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, this suspect, Ennis Lee Jr., is well known to to local police. He's charged with aggravated murder. He's not in police custody. A warrant's been issued for his arrest. He's been uh, charged in the murder of Karen Hunter, a 48-year-old woman who was shot and killed back on September the 1st at a Sunoco gas station. Hunter was with a man at a gas station when the man began arguing with somebody in the parking lot. The other man then punched a different woman in the face, according to court records. Uh, Ennis Lee is accused of watching the attack and then walking from across the street with another man, firing shots at the assailant, hitting him in the arm and the leg. The man who walked across the street with Lee has not been identified. Hunter's friend then fired several shots back, according to police. Hunter was standing near the group, was shot in the face. She died at the scene. According to the Cleveland Plain Dealer, at the time of the shooting, uh, Ennis Lee was free after posting 10% of a $50,000 bond stemming from an aggravated robbery charge. In that case, he and another man accused of robbing a uh, Sunoco gas station at gunpoint. Uh, Lee was also convicted in 2016 of drug trafficking, violated the terms of his probation on multiple occasions. He was ultimately sentenced to a year in prison. Uh, and again, After that prison sentence, he was back out when he was arrested and charged with aggravated robbery. 10% of a $50,000 bond means that he only had to post $5,000 and he was able to walk away. Now, innocently, again, accused of aggravated murder, not in custody. Hopefully, uh, police are able to make an arrest at some point. But a lot of questions, I would think now, about why Innes Lee was released on just $5,000 bond from that aggravated robbery charge. Now, our armed citizen story of the day, a little bit different than uh, what we normally talk about. Normally, we talk about individuals who defend themselves with the help of a firearm. But case out of Spokane, Washington, uh, involved a homeowner defending himself against an intruder with the help of the knife in his pocket. Yeah, Travis McKee, the homeowner who was uh, attacked by a burglar, Punched in his face. You can see a, a screenshot there. He's reenacting the beating uh, that he received at the hands of this stranger, 36-year-old Randall Davis, who had knocked on Lee's door uh, and then asked for a cigarette. Seconds later, this guy is now in Travis Lee's or Travis McKee's apartment and is beating McKee. McKee said he got on top of me, just pounded me for 10 minutes. So the side of my face, he had me in some kind of hold or my chin was pressed against my neck. I couldn't get any air. According to the Spokane Police Department, Randall Davis is a convicted felon with a history of assault. Uh, As McKee is being choked to the point of unconsciousness, his dog, Mutt, comes running over and bites McKee in the leg. Doesn't bite the guy attacking Travis McKee. No, his dog bit him. (laughs) McKee says, when my dog came up and bit my leg, it woke me up. 
said, I remember that I had my knife in my pocket. I got my knees under me. I started to try to worm my way out of what he had. It was just a latch-dish effort. I was going to die. Davis still had McKee pinned to the floor, but McKee managed to slash at his attacker's arm, stomach, and neck until he let go. And then McKee said, I held a knife up to him. I told him, I'll cut your throat. I'll cut your head off, dude, if you even move. You know, period. I'm going to tourniquet you, and you'd better not move. And McKee said, Davis allowed him to do it. He put a tourniquet on him, came back, found his phone, called 911, uh, saving his attacker's life. Uh, officers arrived. They rendered first aid until medics arrived and took over. McKee and Randall both taken to local hospitals where they were treated for their injuries. Uh, once Randall is released from the hospital, he is uh, going to be booked into jail on uh, first-degree burglary charges as well as second-degree assault charges. Travis McKee defending himself uh, from that uh, unknown intruder in his home, not facing any charges. But the dog, who, uh, you know, Travis McKee credits with sort of waking him up out of his stupor, hopefully going to get some treats and maybe a little training so that next time, if there is a next time, hopefully there's not, but if there is a next time, maybe Mutt goes for the attacker instead of his owner. There you go. And finally today, our uh, good deed of the day. I mean, Mutt's deed was a pretty good deed, but our good deed of the day in human form uh, from uh, Tennessee, scary moments on a on an interstate. Um, UT Police Corporal Kyle Bodica works there on the campus of uh, University of Tennessee at Knoxville. Said he was running errands on his day off when he saw smoke ahead of him on uh, Interstate 40. And as he got to the scene, he saw that site, a camper in flames, no first responders close by. He said, at that point, I thought I got to stop because this is new. There's nobody here. Nobody's responded yet. And that's exactly what the officer did. Officer uh, Kyle Bodica said, you get kind of wired to see a problem. And you try to help when you do, at least for me personally. He said, I'd also rather do something than go by and regret not doing something. So he pulled over, said some bystanders were right at the scene trying to get the driver and the truck away from a burning camper. He said, I, I helped move some stuff away from the fire. Um, but then as he's doing this, one of the, the people who were kind of standing by collapsed right in front of him. Bodega said, uh, myself and some of the other people who were there, we picked him up, moved him further away from the fire, probably like 30 feet or so from the trailer when he fell. Officials said the man had a heart attack. So Kyle Bodega said he and a nurse, who was also a bystander, start performing CPR. He said, I don't know who she was. I don't know her name or anything, but she was at his head. She counted for me. She had a little bit of portable mask with her, actually gave breaths. The uh, pair performed CPR on the man until medics arrived at the scene, transported him to the hospital. Um, at last report, um, looks like the guy is going to be okay. That's pretty amazing. Uh, and he said that he wanted to thank the nurse, Kyle Bodega did. He said, nursing is another career that you choose to help people. And you put yourself under a lot of stress to do that. And I really appreciate her work and her help. and made things a lot smoother and it very likely helped that man survive. Speaking of that man... Kyle Bodega also had some kind words to say to him, too. He said he was there to help people he didn't know, and he obviously put himself in legitimate harm's way to do so. It's always encouraging to see people who don't have the training that I have and don't have that built-up response where they just kind of automatically go. To see them doing that, too, is just really encouraging. So in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing for a couple of strangers, Kyle Bodica, University of Tennessee Police Corporal, we thank you, sir, for your very, very good deed.
That is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program today. Don't forget, you can subscribe to Town Hall Media. That way you'll never miss a program. You can also subscribe to Bearing Arms Cam and Company on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher. And uh, you can get the show that way as well. Uh, tomorrow, 1.30 Eastern Time, we've got another VIP Gold Chat. Coming up for our Town Hall Media VIP Gold members, Ed Morrissey and myself will be kicking around some of the day's top stories and uh, giving our final election predictions. You can be a part of that if you are a VIP Gold member, and you can sign up at BearingArms.com. In fact, if you use the promo code LOYALTY, all caps, 25% off your VIP Gold membership, and we certainly do appreciate your support. Until we talk again, be well, be safe, be free, and we'll see you soon with another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam & Company.